0: and welcome to another episode of Half-Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,800 miles southeast of me, is none other than Mr. Kip Fisher. And we are coming to you live for the 162nd time this 31st day of March 2017. Mr. Fisher, how are you?
1: I'm all right, I reckon. How about yourself?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm fantabulous. I'm fantastic. I'm uh I'm not, one might say. No, I'm doing uh, a
1: puppy with two Bakers. <laughs> you
0: just can't let it be, can you, Hillbilly? <laughs> oh well. I am uh I am fantastic. I am smoking uh uh oh actually I am still smoking my previous cigar from earlier in the day. I should put that down and uh, light up our cigar of the week here, but I'm good, I'm enjoying a cigar, I'm happy, I'm healthy, my uh, wife is still alive and tolerating our children after a rather trying day, so uh, all, things, uh, all things considered, it is a fantastic day in the Schneider household.
1: Cool, that's good to hear.
0: Yeah, you, you and me both think that.
1: <laughs>
0: How about for Mr. Fisher and the rest of the clan?
1: Yeah, I think my clan is kind of crashing. It's been Spirit Week at their school, so they're tired and done and ready for a weekend.
0: That's not just an American thing.
1: Well, the school they go to is essentially an American school. It just happens to be here. Really? Oh yeah. But
0: I I guess I didn't realize Wait, that.
1: Let me take that back. It it is the student body is predominantly Dominican. But it is it's an oh, English okay. it's an English taught school it's where Christy teaches and yeah, yeah. It, it's very Americanized
0: oh okay all right no i had I had thought as much you had mentioned the the fact of uh you know typically whose children go to such a school but i I would have never uh I would have never had my initial thought be that it's an American school but I understand your point now. I get you.
1: It's mostly staffed by Americans. It's taught in English. Many of the Dominican children are anchor babies. Their parents will go to the States to have a child and come back to uh, get an anchor in the States.
0: Huh. I have never heard that phrase before. Yeah. So, I uh, not to, to pull us out of our uh, typical low-key... Uh, early discussion here, but I am trying to light this cigar and I gotta say, it does not want to light, it has charred like a champ.
1: But wow, I, I yeah. the, uh I, I, I realize we are smoking different vitolas, uh, but mine just lit like a champ, it's actually burning quite well. Really, I'm not very far into it, but so far, yeah.
0: Well, I am am just trying to get this going, and I'm looking for one of my last pieces of cedar here, besides my final dog watch cedar spills uh, piece that I have. I'm not going to light that up.
1: Uh, I still have a box of those around here somewhere.
0: Do you? Oh, good. You can send them to me so I can use this one
1: or not. I, I have mind. absolutely you know? no idea what you just said. a freaking 9,000 decibel motorcycle flying by.
0: Just say yes, and we're good. Just say yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're you're not that dumb. <laughs> uh, well, i uh, I will continue to try to light this cigar. It's not that it's not lighting. It's just weird. It's I'm putting a soft flame to the foot, and it is doing everything except showing an ember, which is rather unique. I wouldn't have expected that.
1: Huh. I have a burn issue story to tell upward toward the end of the had <laughs> A cigar I th- that left th- me wanting today.
0: <laughs> I think I uh, know about that. I saw something on the website, right?
1: Yeah, yeah well, in the notes, yeah. Oh, no, no. I did put a picture up. I put a picture up also on the forum. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought you did. The picture doesn't tell the story of the battle with that cigar. You know,
0: speaking of uh, the website, you wrote a review this week, didn't you?
1: I did, but I haven't published it yet. It is all written up and in the wings. If that got around to it, (laughs) kind of like many things right now.
0: Now that I uh, just outed you and said it to the public, now you have to post it up, because people are expecting it.
1: Yeah, well, if I go to the trouble of writing, it, it's going to be posted either way.
0: <laughs> uh, you better darn well know that I'm going to put it up if I spend the time to do it.
1: Yeah, Considering the fact that it's been months and months since I even did a written review.
0: No, that's alright. At least you uh, have done reviews. I've just talked about doing reviews for two years.
1: Well, maybe you ought to consider it.
0: Eh, eh, eh I like my reviews. I, I honestly I do wish that I uh could set aside another week, another night during the week to do a review, a written review. I do enjoy doing that a lot. I uh I have trouble prioritizing the time to make that happen though. For yeah. various reasons.
1: Well, you don't ever smoke cigars except when we're recording, right?
0: No, never. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can get you one of those little recorders or use your phone and record your notes verbally and then just transcribe them and be done.
0: You know what I have been doing now? And excuse me, if this gets odd on sound, I just saw my cedar spills on the ground or my chunk of cedar spills on the ground that I'm going to grab. Um, I use the, uh, I've got an Apple, so everybody knows the Siri uh uh term or uh, app or whatever that is widget out. I'm
1: just going yeah. completely wonky again.
0: Uh oh that's no good. I uh
1: oh, man, I think we're back.
0: Excellent. I'm glad we're back. Um uh what I was saying was that I use the uh the Siri widget or app, whatever it is on an Apple phone to mm-hmm. create notes and I kind of as I'm driving down the road or if I've got windshield time, um, I find myself kind of drifting, having drifting thoughts. And I I kind of, uh, I don't don't know what the term is. Orate, is that the term? I think orate um, uh, little essays through Siri into uh, the note function, the note app on my phone. And it turned out to be kind of nice. I could eventually do the same sort of thing with, uh cigar reviews but half the fun of my own mental ramblings are going back and looking at them later on and seeing what siri interpreted my words to be so (laughs) not only is it fun to get the thoughts out and on paper and you know in 30 years if uh, one of my kids looks at it they'll be freaked out by what's in my head but um it's also kind of interesting to uh to have a, a quick chuckle at the words that she thinks I'm saying. So if I was doing an actual <laughs> review, that would that would make it a little less fun. It would be a little more frustrating, but we'll see. Maybe
1: well, yeah. I could try it. You should turn on the uh, English and Spanish both concurrently. The um, On my phone, at different times, I have to interact with people that speak English or speak Spanish, and so I have both keyboards on and the autocorrect or the the or the, the suggestions was trying to suggest a word just haywire all the time, and I oh, end up yeah. with messages that go back and forth, and and uh, I <laughs> I text in various degrees of Spanglish.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't seen that.
1: <laughs> I try to pay attention, but sometimes it doesn't happen.
0: Well, I. I do know that you've got the, the Spanish keyboard on there because I get the, uh, I don't know what they are, the Spanish grammatical symbols, uh, grammatic, grammatic symbols, yeah. The tilde and the accents, I get yeah. those on there, and those aren't on my keyboard, so.
1: Really? You can't just long press a letter and get some options?
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe you just told me how to use my phone better. Who knows?
1: Yeah, most of them. I think if you long press like the N, you get you can get a, a list of options. One would be the Enya with the little tilde you're talking about.
0: Oh, huh. well, when I'm writing all my Spanish contacts, I can do that. Yeah. I'll try that. Well, hey, we, uh, we got a Cigar of the Week we have talked about but haven't introduced
1: yet. <laughs> that is true. We have not even said what it is but astute observers would notice what I was smoking from the video alone if the video were in greater detail than 8-pixel resolution.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I made a comment to Kip earlier that his video was so bad, he made Pac-Man look like it had cutting-edge graphics.
1: (laughs) Hey, there was a time when it did.
0: I uh I remember Qbert being blown away by Qbert. thinking it <laughs> looked, yeah. looked three dimensional. <laughs>
1: yeah man those freaking cubes. was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a trippy video game 30 years ago.
0: I I remember my older sister playing that in the uh in Indiana Jones or E.T. on Atari when I was 5 <laughs> years old or something 10 years old. Crazy.
1: Oh, I despise to this day the Indiana Jones game on the Atari 2600. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid, man, playing that game, and I got to a point where you you know you had to you had a screen, and then you go to the next screen. And when you got to the next screen, I was on a the edge of a cliff, which looked suspiciously like a triangle. And you, I never figured out how to get off the stupid thing. I was so mad. I spent weeks on that game before I just gave <laughs> up and never played it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh Good times. <laughs> but nonetheless, let's talk about the cigar before we forget again.
0: Yeah, we could we could bring it up one more time and still not tell anybody about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, before we do drift anymore, we are smoking the Drew Estate Undercrown Shade, Connecticut wrapped edition of the Undercrown. Uh, kind of a, a spinoff from that line, I suppose, with a mix-up in the blend, of course, and uh, this was, I guess, it's been out a couple of years now. It was Willie Herrera's first uh, Drew Estate blend, first thing he came up with him that did not fall under his Herrera Esteli uh, lineup and uh, his his marca. Um, and, and it uh, features an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, a Sumatran binder, and a Dominican and Nicaraguan blend of tobaccos in the filler uh, for the fillers. And tonight I am smoking the six by fifty-two Toro. I believe Craig has a robusto-ish. We mentioned before we started recording. I uh, don't recall the MSRP on that robusto, but the Toro retails somewhere around eight dollars, eight fifty a stick. And uh, we'll see how it progresses. Uh, it looks like I'm. Looks like am Looks like I'm about five eighths of an inch into this. I am about five eighths of an inch into this cigar so far. And you, I believe you're lit now, maybe.
0: Man, I am. I am lit, but there is something fierce about this wrapper that does not want to burn. So I am going to trim it back a half an inch and see if I can get it going well and then see if it catches the wrapper on its own. I do have a split up the side that I didn't know of. Nothing crazy that half inch or so. So that's when I'm taking off on the wrapper to see if getting past that will uh, help me out.
1: So I, I have to uh, give just a little bit of kudos to this cigar. I, I mentioned this to you before we were recording that I am generally not a fan of footbands. I don't care for them because I end up tearing up wrappers too often trying to get them off. But I dropped this one, this cigar tonight. Um, and, and knocked it off a, a stair railing, a banister, actually. And it fell a, a good four feet uh, to the next stair down, step down, and landed squarely on its foot. But the footband, I believe, prevented any real damage, and it had a little crack. Uh, was all the damage that came about from the fall, and I'm now well into that crack and near the end of it, and it is held together flawlessly. Hmm. Well, and you can see if, if the videos show anything, you can see it's kind of burning pretty dang straight and I've not even touched it up or anything.
0: I, uh, I also have the added benefit of taking off a half inch of this wrapper of, of getting a little bit more of the, the, well, the non Connecticut components of this cigar prior to, uh, being forced to deal with a Connecticut shade wrapper. So that'll be an enjoyable aspect for me, at least, I hope. Yeah. Not to let any preconceived notions jump into the fray here, but.
1: <laughs> Why would we do that?
0: Well, I have experience. Well, I have experience with this cigar, but I have more recent and specific experience with this cigar because Mike Stewart. Um, realized a number of months back that he had all of the components or at least similar enough components um, at his disposal to what makes up this stick. So he kind of on a whim for a few friends created his mimic blend. Um, And the mimic was a mimic of the Undercrown Shade. So he's put together some versions that have similar components to play around. And so I've done some Mild comparisons and uh um, kind of delved into not just whether or not I enjoyed this cigar but what it was that I liked and what it was that I disliked, actually trying to analyze the components, what you would really do for a review um so this cigar is one that's been a little bit more uh i want to say professional but a cigar that that I don't think of as much. Um, as a relaxation accompaniment. You know what I mean? It's been a cigar that all of my memories have been workhorse memories. I'm trying to accomplish something every time that I smoke this, not sitting back and enjoying life with it. So it'll be interesting to try to get over that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Through it, maybe. Right. Hmm. Claro. Did you uh did Mike get you any of those mirrors when he came
1: down? Yeah, he left a couple of them with me, and I have already smoked both of them. And I I thought they were very good. I think I posted up some little random notes and details when I was smoking them on the forum. Did
0: you? I don't remember that. Not to say yeah. you didn't, but
1: I'm not very memorable. I understand. Hmm. Well. <laughs> was not one of those unique little things I say in peculiar ways.
0: Shall we, uh, shall we talk a little bit about what flavors we're getting off this thing before we jump into notes here?
1: Absolutely.
0: News. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. I'm going to let you jump in because my neighbors decided it's time to go somewhere and crank on his car for 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, it's a big cigar for me it's a big ring um, it measures larger than a 54 uh, it's 54 somewhere down the shoulder a quarter inch down the shoulder uh, so maybe this thing's about a 55 or so it's that's big I don't prefer cigars that size um, plus it it's really not taking the light as well as I would prefer it to um, I might uh, I might just punt and try to really char up the end of this thing and get it going. Although I don't want to, I don't want to have a negative experience with it ruining flavor, but I know right now I'm not getting all that the cigar can offer. But that being said, there's some interesting components to it. Um, Now, bear in mind, I did cut off the first half inch of the wrapper, so I'm smoking this binder and filler only. But there's some kind of sweet, um, spicy components here. So I'm not I'm not sure that I want to jump right in with what sort of sweetness it is, but it's a little bit more, um, uh, like a, a sugary sweet rather than a, a fruity sweet, uh, somewhere in that realm. The spiciness is kind of akin to the, the Dominican spiciness, that baking spice or tropical spice, um, that, uh, has been oft discussed, uh, going back to dog watch days. um, I right initially I was, uh, getting that crispness that almost sour Christmas that you can crispness that you can get from the Connecticut. Um, and then once I cut the wrapper off that had gone away. So I do fully expect it to come back, but, um, I'm, uh, working my way into it a bit as this thing is smoking down. So that's where I'm at. Still not properly lit. And, uh, I have lit enough cigars in my life. I'm not sure if I'm going to take this one on me or if I'm going to put it on the stick. So we'll see how she goes.
1: Yeah. Well, mine, like I mentioned, is behaving pretty well with the burn, actually, perfectly. Um, But uh, I mentioned the cold draw beforehand, before we started recording the show, that it was very sweet, like a a chocolate chocolate chip cookie kind of flavor to it, which I really dug that, that you know the Mrs. Fields kind of chewy molasses-ish kind of um, cookie flavor, but of course, as is often the case, none of that's carried over into the actual smoking of the cigar. Although it is sweet, I'm not getting that Christmas crispness, uh, at least as of yet. And when I talk about Christmas, it can be bright and, and sharp. The thing I'm appreciating the most is that it doesn't have the Connecticut flavor of the 90s. And those of you who smoked Connecticut cigars in the 90s may remember what I do. I, I, I remember everything I lit put fire to in the 90s that entire decade that had the word Connecticut attached to It had this grassy, vegetal kind of sharpness that I just didn't care for I actively sought cigars that didn't have that wrapper for that reason because I didn't like it and I don't know if, you know in that time period we're going through the boom and everybody's trying to just slap tobacco together and get it in the market because the, the industry was booming and people were buying anything as fast as they can and these days I attribute that to that flavor to that fact that people were rushing things to market and I don't experience that these days much, and except in, eh, here comes a jack wagon on a motorcycle. Uh, I think most cigar makers today are not in such a hurry, and, and tobacco is generally handled better uh, than it was in the past. And so I don't see, I don't find that flavor too often, except in a few really inexpensive brands that are maybe rushed a little more or, or put together a little more hastily. And I dig that. This is the kind of Connecticut I can enjoy without that grassiness kind of creeping in.
0: If you wouldn't have talked for so long, I'd have made a joke about whether King Ezekiel's tiger was sitting next to you or not, but (laughs) you spoke for too long. I can't do that anymore. Um, you know, it's funny that you, that you say that, uh, that kind of grassy vegetal flavor that's, that I, that you attribute to Connecticut, uh, tobacco in the 90s isn't present here and it's not present on very many, uh, proper premium cigars. Cause I think that that's just a hallmark of Connecticut. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that it, uh, I don't necessarily think that it, um, is something that Connecticut tobacco had in the nineties because it was under processed. I think it was something that tobacco had in the nineties because it was under processed. Connecticut is such a thin, delicate leaf. It can't take much processing. Yeah. I mean, mean, it'll break down.
1: And certainly there could be a couple other things at play. Maybe to some degree, absolutely what you're saying is true. And it's just more prominent or, or became more emphasized in Connecticut leaf in the nineties more so than other, uh, other leaf, other tobacco. And maybe just my tastes have changed that much. What the heck do I know? I've been smoking a lot of cigars for a long time. I, I have developed Bob McDuffie's Billy goat palate probably by this point. Uh, and don't pick up the nuance. Maybe I could have, should have, or would have. Hmm.
0: Well, I, uh, I might I might not cast the, the wide net that you were alluding to. I, I might say that it's not necessarily just a sign of um, poor processing. I, I might say that it's just a characteristic of Connecticut Shade wrappers. That thin, delicate, golden leaf, um, there's not much structure to it, so it doesn't get processed for very long. It. I think that you could make the hypothesis that you don't have to process it as long as you would um, uh, a thicker, heavier, or robust leaf because it doesn't have the same impurities that those leaves have. But I think you could also make a hypothesis on the opposite. Because you're not processing it as long, those chain tannins, those, those biological, um, uh, the biological makeup of a tobacco leaf, there are certain aspects that it doesn't matter if it's a thick or a thin leaf. There's still components to it on a chemical level that haven't broken down as much because they're not subjected to 130 degrees for seven months, six months, three months. You know, whatever the, the time frame is for Connecticut processing. I don't. I don't know. Um, so there still are some of those components which are more vegetal and a little are more tannic, um, and ultimately can be stronger nicotine wise. Um, because they just haven 't been been broken out, but i don't know yeah, maybe
1: so I, I will cede half the point to you, but i 'm still holding on to part of that just because during the boom uh, uh, it was it was a different animal to me it was, and i 'm drawing that connection only anecdotally <laughs> i don 't have any science behind any of this. I just know that during the time frame that millions of cigars were being pumped into a, a hungry market and the the quality was much poorer than it is today to to me,
0: sure oh it yeah it, we're talking about two different things, I believe you're a hundred percent correct i'll uh, um I will not dispute what you're saying at all about overall quality being lesser and this flavor being more prevalent, where I would differentiate is that. I believe Connecticut shade still has that same flavor characteristic and it's not so much for the same reason as what all cigars had it, you know, air quotes around all in the 90s. It's because this leaf can't take proper or full processing that other tobaccos can that would rid them of it. So we're we're saying two sides of the same discussion, I
1: believe. Yeah, so. I'm I'm with you. I just <clears throat> I guess it was just more marked to me at the time than today. The only reason being at that time I didn't care for Connecticut actually. I was about to say at all but that's not true. The Ashtons in the 90s I really liked but totally off track. Um today there are various Connecticut cigars I'll pick up and 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 can enjoy. We have a a note for you in the chat room. Frank Sinagra is pointing out that you have a gray or bluish gray shirt on once again tonight. I do.
0: (laughs) I have a bluish gray shirt on. It is not just the video.
1: (laughs) I think you have like gray spotlights in your basement. (laughs) Every shirt you wear turns that color.
0: You know, it's the weird thing, too, because the walls in my room are uh, red or taupe. And I have bright yellow lights in here to kind of make it feel more like sunlight. I don't know how everything looks gray, but it all does.
1: <laughs> it's a, gr, taupe and red and yellow, that's like, I don't know, it's like a room full of condiments. <laughs> uh,
0: taupe isn't the right word. I meant beige. Beige is almost graying, and that's well, not what I mean, but... Yeah, either you're,
1: way, you're beyond my skill level. My my color palette has like seven colors, and that's it.
0: Top is you know, not one of them. You know what ruined me? AutoCAD. AutoCAD <laughs> has two hundred and fifty five colors, and uh-huh. uh, you better darn darn well be able to differentiate them and have a name for them. So, cyan, magenta. Yeah, I uh, I started being able to break them down a little. So.
1: Yeah, I've had to do that with various web design things and pull the colors out, but I don't memorize very many of them. Now, my, my friend Slago, who's in the identification verification business, knows like various states' driver's license, Pantone colors. <laughs> it's like, that's a Pantone 239. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, dude, it's a freaking driver's license. <laughs> Nerd!
0: Uh, It says the guy who just said the word cyan. Oh, well. All right. So uh, shall we start ourselves off with some uh, rather somber news here and then uh, lighten up a touch as we go?
1: Sure. Um, The the somber news that uh, my illustrious co-host refers to is the fact that since our last show, uh, we lost one of the, the great names in the cigar industry. Uh, who's been around for many years, in the music industry for that matter. Um, Avo Uvezian, uh, the uh, pianist or jazz musician, he actually played a few different instruments. I, I know him more from the piano. And, of course, the name uh, from whence Avo Cigars gets their name, uh, passed away just after his 91st birthday a uh, week ago or a little more now. And uh, So we just wanted to uh, pass that along and... Offer up condolences for for those that, was cl- that were close to it and uh, mark his passing.
0: So, honest question, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. But you will. How did, how did he get involved in the 90s with um, Davidoff Cigars? Do you know? Uh,
1: yes and no. I, I vaguely recall the history, and I think it actually goes back into the 80s. Um, seems like he had smoked some cigars and he was a cigar guy and wasn't really happy with uh, some of what he had encountered and wanted to seek somebody out and make what he considered to be a better cigar. And he came here uh, to the Dominican Republic and just got connected with Hinky Kellner and ended up actually introducing his cigars to the American market before Davidoff left Cuban production. Uh, he actually had his cigars in the market before Davidoff had a presence in the US. Hmm. And then of course became a, a part of Davidoff as years went by.
0: Yeah, if he was uh if he was in the eighties, there's uh a, a very high likelihood that he was working with Davidoff Geneva uh while the Dominican excuse me, while the Cuban cigars were still being made. At the very least, while the Cuban cigars were still being sold by Davidoff Shops.
1: Yeah, um, the year 85 kind of comes to mind, but I wouldn't swear to it without doing a little Google fooling.
0: Hmm. Well, that's interesting. He, he, uh, I, I, 83,
1: 1983, he bought a cigar uh, when his daughter was born. And it ended up traveling to the DR and connecting with Pinky Kellner.
0: Wow. So he had a daughter in nineteen eighty three. I guess he was only sixty at that point. Okay, that's not that bad. Yeah. That's that's not young, but it's not too bad. Okay. Yeah. Um Huh. Well that's uh that's kinda cool. Okay. Well, um, moving on, I I know that uh, I highly doubt anyone who's listening to this podcast um, has had us break the news about Avo to them. There are many other in-depth biographies and um, very emotional editorial pieces that are out there. I've read a couple of them, and they seem to, um, every single one of them, to the man, the authors have written positive and referential things about Avo And uh, I am neither educated nor experienced enough um, to offer up any sage words here other than uh, recognizing his place in the industry, his um, uh, just interesting personality. He's always been a unique um, personality in an industry that seems to be filled with uh, exuberant and boisterous individuals, Um he was an artist who never seemed incredibly over the top to me on the multiple occasions that I uh, saw the man, introduce myself to the man. And I appreciated that he, he stood out because he was the difference. Um, and I liked that a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, me as well. And I can't say that I spent a great deal of amount of time with him, but we ran into him quite a number of times. He is, uh, I guess he lived in Orlando, but, I don't know where, but he frequently would just show up on a Friday night at Corona Cigar on Sand Lake uh, in their Sand Lake uh, location, and he would just be there, sitting in the corner, hanging out, having a cigar, and, and was always happy to, to chat or hang out and like you said, introduce yourself quite a number of times. Which just not saying thing about his memories, is the fact that. The man encountered thousands upon thousands of people regularly, so it wasn't like you would expect him to remember that three minutes you spent together a year ago.
0: Yeah, e- Exactly. I, I mean, I I think every IPCPR or RTDA for five years, I introduced myself to the man. It, I think that every time that I was at a show, I was staying at the same hotel with him and would invariably eat at the table next to him every single trip. It, uh, it was kind of funny that we would... <laughs> We we had a standing breakfast date for at least three or four years. <laughs> he's like,
1: yeah, don't look now, but that guy's back he, to the next table. That freaking
0: Gringo's here again. That guy Ugh. with the
1: gray shirt. <laughs>
0: the gray shirt, Jeez. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh He's someone who made an impression on me because the impression he was making was so different from other individuals in this industry. So um, for someone who carves their own path and follows their passions, I can – appreciate that. Um, I didn't always seek out and uh, enjoy his cigars as much as others, but that doesn't take anything away from uh, what he did in the industry at at all. Um, I really am curious about uh, the big transition that Avo made in the early aughts with the introduction of the Maduro and the Avo 75th, now, gosh, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. Um, and then subsequently the avo uh, legacy and avo oh the the line that came out based off of the seventy fifth um i'm forgetting it right now, but I don't know. Uh, those transitions um, of his core lines uh that always intrigued me that he had some time of being a very successful uh typical Dominican cigar brand owner, and then he transitioned out of that, and he um, maneuvered within the industry perhaps a little bit more than I had ever expected him to, so I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I can't say that I ever had any of the oval lines as a daily kind of something I reach for, but there have been some fantastic ones over the years that, that uh, the X... Ex- XO, I really enjoyed those a lot, and my wife is not a cigar smoker, and but she's had a handful over the past 20 years, and it seems like the Avo XO and the Ashton uh, Little uh, oh, gee, Panatella were the two that she would ever even not turn her nose up at. Um, but my very favorite Avo cigar of all time, was one of the Le's, one of the limited editions that came out every year, and it was called the Companiero. When I seems like it was two thousand nine, maybe two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, somewhere around there. And that Companiero was, man, that was a good cigar.
0: Hmm. Well, he'll uh, he will be remembered. I guess that's all any of us can hope for, right?
1: Yep. Well, since we're on a Davidoff-ish story, how about we progress to the next one, which is full-on Davidoff. Cool. Um, They have announced, the company has announced, uh, the return of the Chef's Edition, which is a collaboration with six European chefs that neither Craig nor I are familiar with, but apparently are very famous. Um, (laughs) there was I think I said there's six of them and last year they they collaborated with Davidoff uh, the six chefs did and came up with a blend that they liked and and enjoy themselves and want to provide to the rest of the world in some limited fashion Uh, and it's a cigar that's intended to be smoked with uh, or following a good meal it's supposed to partner with a fine dining experience to then Subsequently, have a fine cigar, and uh, uh, it's this year once again's a six by fifty-four Toro. Uh, it's going to have a Bono two thousand wrapper over an Ecuador and Connecticut binder and a filler mix It's all Dominican. It's several different tobaccos, but it's all Dominican. Uh, each each of the uh, leaf types that show up in there. Um, and sometime in about a month, there's going to be a run of about 3,000 boxes make their way to the States. But I mentioned to Craig before the show and showed him I actually have come into possession of one of these already. And I'm going to fire that up this week and see how it goes. I um, uh, did not notice it actually has a little – there's no way my camera is going to focus on this, but it's a little chef's hat. I don't know what you call that thing. A little – Little toke. mushroom hat whatever it's called on the, the secondary band there
0: uh, i could not see it because it didn't focus but that's i think believe that's typically called or referred to as a toque.
1: okay i'll believe um, you. i
0: I'll <laughs> for be, lack of I, any other option i'll believe you uh I, I will uh be really interested to hear what you have to say about that um with a uh, a Habano wrapper with a Connecticut binder and all Dominican filler. I'm well, and it is a very dark wrapper um, as it, well. It is indeed.
1: Yeah. And I'll be. I held these up beforehand. And of course, what we're smoking tonight is a, a light son of a monkey. I just asked myself a lighter Connecticut wrapper, but you can see the two and the Davidoff on the, left or right, depending on how this camera's coming through. You can see, for those of you in the chat room or the video, that it's it's remarkably darker. It's a fairly dark cigar. Um, and actually, I've seen Maduro called, cigars called Maduro that are that shade or or maybe even a little bit lighter. It's very dark, um, which is interesting because there's not just a whole crap ton of Davidoffs that come out with a dark wrapper like that.
0: immediately i see that and i think of the colorado claro from Mm -hmm. davidoff which has a very dark colorado that typically dark brown slightly reddish tinted wrapper um and on my camera that that's kind of what that looked like to me as if it could be a very similar shade although i don't believe the colorado claro is a a habano wrapper but uh, don't quote me on that um I'm interested to know what those, you know, uh, Dominican filler components um, are going to bring to the table. Because that cigar could go old-school Dominican, you know, and just have a fancy, beautiful wrapper on the outside for the kind of quintessential um, chef's presentation. Or it could be kind of new age, push the envelope a little bit some of the more emerging flavors we're seeing from Dominican tobacco uh, more recently. I, I I'll be interested to see where Davidoff goes with that. Um, where yeah. those chefs went with that.
1: Same here. Uh, I was, my interest was piqued just because of, you know, there being a, another outside influence uh, on the blend and how that panned out. Cause I'm not generally a huge Davidoff fanboy uh, because they tend to be a little bit, lighter and more airy than what I might reach for uh, (laughs) under normal circumstances. And the price, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Davidoff's pricing is a little higher than I'm (laughs) comfortable with most of the time without some kind of spectacular experience involved. Uh, But we'll we'll see. Hmm.
0: Well, cool. Let us know.
1: Of course. Uh what else we got here? Okay. Regis 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 uh and Quesada. And we actually back in the Dog Watch days, uh Bob and Dale talked about Regis a fair amount and uh and I did not have a local shop that carried the line back in Tampa and There's an offering or two at the Trace Reina shop, the Quesada owned shop here in Santiago, but it's not something I generally seek out knowingly or mindfully. Um, But I did actually won a box of their cigars in a charity auction several years ago, and it was the white label. And I thought they were very good cigars, but I didn't really have access to them. So I don't have just a whole ton of experience with with the line. Um, But that's a completely off topic to the fact that the story is they have uh, announced their parting ways with Quesada uh, in terms of their distribution. Quesada has been their distributor in the U S and if I'm not mistaken, and I'm totally likely to be uh, internationally, I think they just distributed and they actually do manufacture many or most of their cigars for Regis. Um, And there was some chatter about uh, the manufacturing being moved, from Quesada to another manufacturer, but that was subsequently retracted with no no replacement details given. So I'm not sure what story is there. I guess we'll find out before too long. Um, it seemed to be amicable, uh, at least on the face of it. Both both parties were very complimentary of the other, uh, so it didn't sound like there was some you know massive problem that or or uh, uh, rift between the two. It just seemed like maybe the time was up for that, for this season of uh, an agreement. And their parting ways effective April 30th. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what Regis market penetration is. I know they have a much bigger market share internationally, uh, at least in the European market than in the States. Um, so I don't even know how familiar many folks are that may be listening out there. but. My experience with them was was very good, but it's not something I really had ready access to, uh, to continue. I,
0: I'm, <clears throat> I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert. I believe Regis is um, a company owned by a London gentleman named Akil.
1: It is that's true.
0: Um, and I don't necessarily know if he has a larger. Um, foothold in the European market or if that has a larger market share of what he's manufacturing or selling. Um, But I do know that he does have a focus, um, at least in the British market. He has had some loose partnerships or ties to uh, Seagars Limited, the uh, very well-known throughout the industry, Mitchell Orchant. Um, has at least partnered or been involved in one of his cigars. He has had a a USA exclusive regional cigar that had done pretty well and was met with pretty good reviews though. I don't know. I don't get the sense from a mutual friend that we have that he is looking at making the cigar business, his business. Um, I, I don't, that is strictly speculation but i don't hear um i don't hear a lot of things to substantiate him making a solid play to weather the fda storm if that makes sense
1: yeah i'm i'm tracking i don't know what the age is for any of his lines or whether any are even grandfathered or would be grandfathered or not
0: i I first became familiar with his lines not through um, a retail store, but through um, Colin Ganley, who knew him or knew of him. Uh, Colin and I share the mutual friend who um, is close with the Keel, uh, and I was introduced to those cigars in 2012, just about uh, just about five years ago, actually. Um, and I don't believe they were available in the States yet. So, um, I highly doubt that they would uh, meet the uh, February 14th, 2007, February 15th, 2007
1: date. Okay. Lacking any other information, I'll believe you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, trucking right along. What else we got here? Ah, uh, General. Yeah, yeah. General has kind of published, as they do every year about this time, uh, a list of upcoming blends and cigars and Vitolas and brands that are going to be leaving the marketplace um, that they're going to eliminate from their lineup. And there were almost 50 of them this year, 50 facings, Um and they spanned a number of different brands. But just looking through the list, it looks like Taranio is actually taking the brunt of the cut this year. There were a very large percentage of those um, uh, facings that are that are Taranio products, um, which seems peculiar to me because they just bought Tarano out what, a year and a half, two years ago. Mm-hmm. and kind of wiping to a clean slate. Not, not, not entirely. Certainly. Uh, It's not like they're killing the brand or anything, but there are, gosh, 15 or more uh, of these facings that were Taranio products. And in fact, they're entirely eliminating the Taranio, uh, Captiva, the, I believe the very final blend that was coming out under the Taranio banner before the, uh, the, the sale to general. That Charlie Taranio put out, named after his favorite vacation spot in Florida, if I recall right, because um, that seems like that was right about the time I moved when all this went down uh, with the sale of the company. so I was a little surprised that you know uh, that a big company goes to the trouble and expense of buying a smaller company just to really do that much hacking and slashing so soon after,
0: really. I mean with a, a very similar situation wow. uh with um uh, oh my gosh uh Mr. Nub why uh Sam Sam let's yeah, thank you I mean it, it was uh Mr. Nub I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's I'm never sure going to come back on that. the show you make comments like that
0: um they, I mean is that is that really something they had an arrangement and then completed that and did not extend it? This is a somewhat well, similar situation with the acquisition, at least in right, about a brand and it is, not but a desire to move forward.
1: Sam retained ownership of his brands. There's just been yep. some noogling around. Um, Tarano, I, I think they kind of sold outright, right? They didn't maintain any ownership in the, their existing brands.
0: Uh, let's uh, let's uh, cover ourselves and say that they purchased um, at least a segment of ownership Them, they being general and that right. was not the case with uh, Lycia Tobacco
1: right uh, it, I guess it's surprising to me I mean if, if I go invest a large sum of money and buy out a brand I, I'm buying a brand that I have some faith in, in its success beforehand, not a brand that I need to cut a large portion of its portfolio and try to find a replacement or not use the name or whatever.
0: Sorry, right. I'm having a conversation about Regis in the chat room. What was that last comment? Was it a question to me?
1: No, I just, uh, I guess the only reason I said it was surprising to me is if, if I'm, a uh, cigar company XYZ and I'm one of the big guys on the planet. Why do I buy out a smaller brand that I'm not reasonably certain I can sell and move successfully or profitably where it is and not feel the need to cut out a large portion of its portfolio within two years?
0: Because you've got an owner who doesn't want to deal with anything with the FDA. You can pick it up for a steal and it's probably a good loss uh, for the books at the very least and at the very best you pick it up for 25 cents on the dollar
1: yeah.
0: i mean it could be potentially there could be a couple uh good aspects of that i mean it's essentially a, a cigar version of a hedge fund
1: okay i can kind of see that it just seems like a lot of a lot of energy
0: Will, is, Will Cooper is in the chat room, and he said that uh, his feeling is that Terrania was a strategic acquisition to get a bunch of the Predictate brands.
1: Yeah, the predicate brands that existed before the cutoff date so they can continue to offer in the market. Yeah, mm-hmm. de- definitely. You know, I, I'm jumping a little bit, but staying within the realm of this story, I, I don't guess I'm surprised because I... I I seem to be the last cheese standing alone, but the CAO OSA, was it Olancho San Augustin? um, That brand, that mark came out. uh, It's a CAO brand under the General banner, of course, several years ago now. And I really and truly enjoy that. It's one of of the existing marks from General that I, I will buy and smoke and enjoy quite a bit. But they're knocking out the Lot 46 and the Lot T, which were a couple of Vitolas in the lineup. And I, I guess I stopped short of saying I'm surprised, but I hate to see him go because I really did like that cigar. I never encountered anybody else who liked it enough to buy it and continue to buy it, but I did. That cigar was just eat up with the cedar flavor that, that I'd really dug.
0: Hmm. Well, can't count me in that line or in that
1: group. I, I know. I don't know anybody else. I can. I guess you just weren't buying enough then. I, I guess I can't support an entire mark on my own. <laughs> Although, I got to be honest with Romancraft I, I at one point was making a pretty big portion of their sales, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> uh, Skip Martin's going to name his next child Kip.
1: <laughs> Those days are gone. that. I moved down here, there was an authorized retailer for uh, for Roma Craft down in the capital, and uh, they have fallen off the list, so I don't believe there is an existing account here, so I can't really easily get them unless I order them in the States and have somebody mule them down to me. (laughs)
0: Looks like we just need to have a half-ashed hearth down by your place, so you can get three or four mules to each bring you a box or two.
1: Exactly. That's that's your room and board. You bring me a box of cigars, you can sleep here on the floor all week. <laughs>
0: Man, what a steal.
1: <laughs> I'll even cook breakfast for you.
0: Do you have like a, a, a corner uh, 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 cart that you go pick it up or are you going to actually make it for us? No. Didn't you tell uh, horror stories that you don't do anything in the kitchen? You do everything no. outside?
1: No. Not me.
0: Really? Oh yeah. man, I swear that was you.
1: No, no fui Joe.
0: Well, never mind. Say, I know we're uh, we're not done with um, news items here, but just a quick question about this cigar: Has it reached a point where it is starting to um, eh, eh, lose flavor?
1: Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It hasn't just gone bland. It's. It's. I don't have any of that initial sweetness. I do have a little more of the crispness that we tinkered and talked about for 15 minutes earlier. It very much has that kind of profile right now, and I'm maybe at the halfway point. I don't know. I don't have my handy dandy gauge here to measure, it, but I'm going to guess there's probably three and a half inches left.
0: Yeah, I'm also at about three and a
1: half. Um, there is less flavor in the sense that the sweetness has fallen away, I and mean, it hasn't really been replaced with anything. It's just made that that crisp Connecticut kind of brightness uh, become dominant and and front and center, and really the only uh, only thing coming through at the moment.
0: There was. Um there was a a time really at the end of the first third where this cigar was shining through. Um, I don't know if you threw out molasses earlier because it was a true flavor you were getting or it was just kind of in the style of kind of a deep sugary richness. Um, Yeah, that was uh,
1: more on the code draw.
0: Ah, okay. Well, final third for me, I was getting like... eh, I don't know if you ever made like, or if you ever grew up with, um, I don't know what to call them. Uh, we call them snap cookies. They were like a molasses brown sugar based cookie,
1: ginger that, snap kind of things.
0: No, it wasn't gingery, but it was. It kind of had that similar look where it was flat and wide, and and it it would almost bend. It was so. So uh, brown sugar and molassesy that it was just flexible. I mean, you could darn near stretch the cookie, and it had this super rich molassesy flavor, almost maple syrup flavor.
1: If um, <laughs> we use the word molassesy two more times, I think it gets we've coined a term.
0: <laughs> Either that, or like uh, uh, Beetlejuice is going to pop out of the screen or something. <laughs> Um it, it just had like a uh a, a baked molassesy uh flavor to it at the end of the first <laughs> third which was really one of the more enjoyable times that this cigar has had um, the crispness kind of uh, well the part about Connecticut that I don't like um was at a minimum and that that cookie flavor was really shining and it it has since died down but I think that you might be right. It just hasn't been replaced with anything. We now have a cigar that I'm smoking and I'm I'm sensing the void of where flavor was and isn't anymore. Um, I've talked a lot about cigars that need additional time to uh, to age. Things that are probably in the uh, looking for an additional maturation in box um, prior to, to kind of releasing the next level of flavors and this is kind of akin to that, although it doesn't have the very short finish that you typically find with cigars that um, are in the midst of a long-term aging process. It, yeah. it has that void, but not that short finish. It just—it's almost missing flavor. Period. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I'll buy that. I, I'm not. I know you're smoking a different cigar from a different time, but this one I've had for over a year. I mean, this was, this came from Drew Estate Christmas of 2015. So it's a year and four months old.
0: That
1: hmm. posts production at, at the very least. I mean, I've had it in my possession for that long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't generally smoke well, Cuban cigars that need five to a hundred years to be ready to smoke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, this last little note here is really just a, a PSA, as much as anything, just because we kind of keep a little bit of an update with the uh, uh, impending lawsuit, court dates, and whatnot. And the, um, of course, with the lawsuit that I'm talking is the CAA, CRA, IPCPR, <laughs> which sounds, sounds like the most ridiculous acronym ever. Uh, the the joint lawsuit brought against the FDA from uh, from those three organizations has uh, been pushed back another month it was and previously i believe july 28th was the established court date and the FDA asked for a couple months extension because there's some pretty significant staffing changes going on throughout many levels of government especially the federal level right now and um, I guess the uh, the, uh, the the three uh, organizations involved agreed to 30 days of that. Uh, they they just didn't really want to put off any more, I guess. And then they agreed to that with a statement saying, essentially, that hey, we we'll agree to 30 days, putting it off till August the 30th. Uh, but if there's any more requests, we're not going to do that without. Motorcycles driving by and making a racket all the time. They're not going to agree to <laughs> further extensions unless there is a, a uh, uh, what's the, a complementary extension of some of the uh, due dates, the deadlines, and whatnot for the regulation. So, not really a huge uh, update. It just uh, I just stuck it in there because we've been trying to kind of stay a little bit abreast of what's going on with the lawsuit. And there's not really any news until this summer. Any significant yeah. news anyway. It's just a uh,
0: it's a logical extension or logical request for extension. All right, if this is going to move back further on the front end, we're not going to continue to minimize our time to uh, adjust, maneuver, react after it's completed if – we're going to have to be dealing with this as an industry it, it makes sense logically it makes sense i have no idea if judicially that's something that where that sort of a request can be understood but um you know to a logical bystander with not a legal bone in his body uh, that uh, that sounds like a good request to me so we'll see how it goes
1: yeah yeah we're not going to see a whole ton of movement on this until mid to late summer at the very earliest, but we'll keep mentioning whatever changes come down the pike between now and then. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of jumped a smidge ahead and talked a bit about the cigar, but uh, how about we talk about what else we've been smoking over the past couple of weeks since the last show
0: no problem. I'll, uh, I'll let you jump in with the first one here, if you don't mind, because I have two of the same cigar that I'm going to talk about.
1: Yeah, I see that. We've gone back to our normal rolls, and I have three or four on here, and you only have one this time.
0: <laughs> yeah, shut up.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought you were drinking milk. That looked like a container full of milk when you lifted it up. I like, oh, gosh. That is not normally a good pairing with a cigar.
0: I would agree with that.
1: Morir <laughs> soñando. There's a uh, a drink here. Uh, it's totally off track. Has nothing to do with anything. But that's kind of what we do. And I've probably mentioned it before because it sounds like the most disgusting thing you could concoct and dream up. There's a drink here <laughs> that, translated, means to die dreaming. And it is orange juice, the sour orange juice, orange juice here is very different than what you buy off the shelf normally. It comes from sour oranges, which are, as you might imagine, quite sour and undrinkable, undrinkable in its native raw form. Uh, You take the juice from an orange, which is essentially a concentrated, it's super concentrated, bitter kind of stuff, and you... I personally mix it about one part orange juice to three parts water and with a part being eight ounces. So if I put eight ounces of juice, twenty four ounces of water and half a cup of sugar, and it's very good. It's very sweet that way when you put that much sugar in. But they mix that juice with condensed milk. Oh and you think, Oh, that is disgusting, orange juice and milk but it is freaking delicious. It's it's like a creamsicle Creamsicle. kind of flavor to it. Yeah, it's amazing. And I have no idea where I'm going with this or why it even came up, except I thought you were drinking milk. Ah, these stupid motorcycles.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not really a fan of uh, dreamsicles, creamsicles, whatever they're called uh, to begin with. So the creamy orange flavor is lost on me.
1: (laughs) Well... I thought it was horrid sounding, but I was given it on one of our visits with some folks in the mountains, and I thought it was just freaking amazing. It's one of the best things I've experienced since I've been here. <laughs> that and the yeah. um, lime juice. I'm not a person to drink lime juice, but if you put enough sugar and water with it, it's pretty dang good, too. Mm.
0: Lime anyway. juice and, and white rum, is uh, that, that's my Cuban secret. I love that.
1: <laughs> but back to what we've been smoking this first cigar I I, uh, I had a Fonseca Cubano Exclusivo which is not Cuban in its origin nor it's tobacco but somehow it's a Cuban exclusive <laughs> it is sold and marketed in the US so it's, it's not, not anything hard to come by but I had one uh, today actually and that freaking cigar was it, the the flavor was pretty good it was better and pretty good it was very good but it was the most misbehaved cigar in terms of the burn that i've had in ages and generally i i can put one down when that's going on but i fought with this thing uh, in the morning uh, i put it down came back in the afternoon fought with it so and it's just tunneled so bad, I put some angry little marks in the notes <laughs> I'm not one to generally worry about health concerns with moderate cigar smoking, but but I was a bit concerned that that cigar may have a friggin asbestos wrapper or binder because it wouldn't burn all the crap, and it was just a straight up straw. I mean, it just wanted to burn right down the center and nothing else. No matter how much fire I put on it, it did not want to burn uh, any of that wrapper or binder. You know, you could char it all day and three seconds later it's out. It it just couldn't do anything with it. had a terrible experience with that cigar. Hmm. But it's over. I shall not invest in that cigar further. I I have one, uh, one more in the wings, but I don't know when I'll get around to it at this point.
0: That sounds like the perfect cigar to hold on for the person who doesn't smoke cigars on a regular basis.
1: (laughs) Here, you don't smoke cigars. I want to turn you off to the idea. Here you go.
0: (laughs) It sounds terrific. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... uh... I have something that, fortunately for me and for our listeners who prefer a little bit more optimism in the world of (laughs) cigars, a little bit more positivity. Um, Last week, I had a La Riqueza. I believe these are the number five. They're roughly the uh, Robusto. Uh, That's it. So it's, uh, I think, a five by 48 this one um, was box pressed. It was from one of the, uh, the traditional um, dress boxes, not the cabinet version uh, as they were originally released, but, but it had a few years of age on it. Um, I forgot how, how wonderfully delicious these cigars are. Um, And that's not, that's not just a haphazard choice of words there to say that this cigar was wonderfully delicious, um, isn't that Lucky Charms? They're wonderfully delicious, anyways. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, it was, it was as close to a meal as as smoke could be. It was rich. It was savory. It was sweet. It was uh, uh, very full bodied in that. You almost had a sense of the density to it. Such a great cigar, not overly expensive, not overly aged. Um, This wasn't a a unique or a one-off experience. It absolutely is what these cigars are. And I don't know why I don't smoke them more regularly. So today before the show, I had another one. And it was just as good. my, My last of them, it was just as good. These are... Terrific rich cigars. The name is the riches. Or I believe that's what riqueza means. Correct, or maybe it's not yes, Spanish, I'm, but so, I thought it was.
1: It, I'm sorry, I was muted. It, it does. It means the the wealth or the richness.
0: It, there's just there's not a more appropriately named cigar on the market, and with the pedigree of Pepin and Johnson uh havana sellers i don't know why this cigar isn't appreciated by more people um what i will say is that it's not the most uh it doesn't have the most graceful and um unique transitions what you what you see is what you get with this cigar but it's terrific in how that flavor comes across um I don't love overly strong cigars, but I loved this cigar. I, I think that it's one of those that you're not going to want to smoke another cigar immediately after it. It has that much richness, it, you know, you, you're almost, you almost might want to perfectly pair this cigar with the mojito where, where you get that, that sweet, crisp, limey, tangy, um, uh, clean break, that that really palate cleanse that goes along with the just the the I, I don't know mouth watering goodness that that is this blend really really enjoyable. I, I I challenge all of you to go find one of these things somewhere, smoke one, and if you don't like it, send in mean letters that I have terrible advice, and I can guarantee I won't get a single note because they. They do not disappoint. They're great cigars. Give them a good chance. They're great cigars.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And that's been my experience with that cigar a, a number of times back. Man, this is like the third time we've mentioned dog watch, But back in the dog watch days, I, I was first introduced to these cigars and loved them. The, the La, Riqueza, La Riqueza and the uh, El Triunfador, uh, both of them. Uh, they're not lines that are promoted hugely under the Tatawahe banner. They're kind of side projects or whatever to, to keep the name alive and the, the trademark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but man, they are, both both lines are fantastic as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know, I really don't know why the cigar hasn't really ever taken off. Um, it doesn't have uh, a solid core of Kind of a spicy Nicaraguan zing. Um, we might as well just embrace the dog watch fandom. You know, if I'm going to say Nick, Nicaraguan zing, um, yeah. It, it, I mean, they don't they don't have that in spades. It's not as if you're smoking a cigar like the the tat brown or the tat black. That's just going to hit you and uh, really challenge you while you're smoking it. It's it's a challenge for another reason. It's um, it it forces you to devote your palate to that cigar. Uh, you could probably have it on the golf course and miss a whole lot of it because you're not getting the room aroma or you're not getting the uh, the impact from the body, but, man, really, really good stick.
1: I'm on board. I dig him. Cool. Cool. Well, what else have I got here? I got a couple more, uh, the A.J. Fernandez, Beja Artes, as would generally be pronounced in the American market. Um, this was one of, if not the most talked about cigar at last year's IPCPR, at least in my little circle. Um, I mean, there were so many people chattering about this cigar. and. This was actually an IPCPR sample that I never got around to smoking until this week, and good. But I don't know, maybe that it. Uh, I guess maybe I set the bar very high in my mind, and I'm not sure it, it reached that bar for me personally. There was nothing wrong with it, but I, I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, it performed admirably. Admirably, it did well. It tasted good, but it wasn't this life-changing experience where I said, wow, AJ's really hit his stride. This is an amazing cigar. It, it didn't just knock my socks off and stand me on my head the way maybe I had expected based on some of the other folks' comments about it. Nonetheless, it, it was very good. I would not hesitate to buy it. I thought it was, it was definitely uh, a good smoke. It just, maybe I expected too much. It was still
0: very much and how, huh? How expensive?
1: Uh, I'd have to check the MSRP on that. Uh play some play some elevator music while I dig for a price here. <laughs> What's the name of this again? Bayard. I'm joking. I know what the name of it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was anything ludicrous.
0: For some reason, I thought they were uh, expensive.
1: Well, with AJ Fernandez, he makes so many cigars that are absolutely not that it may be relative to some of his other offerings. Mm. Sorry, I'm I got a little off kilter. My uh Googling abilities were off a little bit here. I'm looking for the same size. The Toro runs about eight fifty a cigar.
0: That's not bad at all.
1: No. No, and, and I, I would not hesitate to pay that. Just my perception was this is like a a uh, you know a, a watershed moment for H. A. Fernandez, and I'm not sure it was. It, it was still much in the vein of his normal. Uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your set of strengths, your your style, his, his style of blending, um, wheelhouse. Sure, since we're sticking with the dog watch theme this week.
0: They they own the phrase in your wheelhouse?
1: I'd never heard that before, Dale Roush.
0: Really? Huh. Yeah. Sweet spot?
1: No, I understand the saying. I'd just not heard it before,
0: Dale. No, no, no. I'm searching for the word that you were trying to find. Strike zone, sweet spot.
1: Nah. It was probably something that didn't even mean what I thought it did at this point.
0: Well, never mind.
1: Yeah, I just make stuff up. Generally, I just lost my ability to do that for a moment. Uh, what else have I got on here? Oh, the big gun. Yeah, kind of. Uh, the uh, I had a Fuente Don Carlos personal reserve, which my friend Slagle was kind enough to give to me last time I was in the states, which would have been last summer, I suppose. And um, we were down at the then new Davidoff Lounge in Tampa. The uh, uh, Borshowitz owned affair there in Tampa, and they had some. And this cigar spun off of the senior blend, uh, Don Carlos's Don Carlos senior personal blend that he smoked himself and would offer up uh, uh, to guests and and friends and people he encountered. But I uh, I smoked the first one when I was there in Tampa, and the second one this past week, and I love the cigar. I think it's fantastic it is though different than what I remember.
0: All right, everybody, we are back from a minor technical glitch. Uh, God bless the Dominican internet and power structure. Uh, everybody, uh, everybody be thankful for their local municipalities infrastructure and that we're not having to deal with, uh, power surges that turn lights on when switches are off and internet that instantaneously drops out. Um, and on uh, on that note, I think that this is probably going to prematurely end the show, but Kip is back with us, and I think that uh, as always, we kind of want to have a little bit of our traditional wrap-up here and say thanks to everybody. So, Kip, if you want to jump right on in and kind of give a, a quick closing, maybe a few quick thoughts on uh, what this cigar was, and then we'll hit the road.
1: Yeah. Uh, I kind of dug the first half of the the Drew Estate Underground Shade. Uh, It did get a bit monochromatic uh, by midpoint or a little after. Um, But as far as a connecticut wrap cigar goes, I still think I would keep this one in a very small rotation that I enjoy. I don't think I would toss it out uh, for a little bit of wondering tonight. Um, Frankly, though, without making too many people upset, I think I actually enjoyed Michael Stewart's Mimic a little more than this one tonight. Um, the, um, what was it, a petite Lance arrow that he left with me a couple of them. And I thought they were great. They, no, no, no,
0: no. A Demi Lance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Demi Lance. Well, it was a little bit long for that, but sure. We'll go with it. It was a Demi, Demi Lance, uh, grande, grande. <laughs> but uh, well, I, I, I dug it much more so in the first half than the second, but, uh, but it was a worthwhile cigar. I, I'm not going to trash it at all. And frankly, again, the the flavors that maybe were not my favorite in the cigar may be to other people. I had zero issues with the cigar in terms of construction or appearance. And in fact, I had to give it props for withstanding a serious drop onto a tile floor tonight and, and smoked like a dream after the fall even uh, so I got nothing bad to say about it just maybe not in my small little core of preferred flavors uh, throughout its entirety
0: yeah I will I will second a few of the things that you said there um, not my cup of tea I don't love this cigar if I never smoked it again I wouldn't be upset though it's not a bad cigar it's just not It doesn't bring anything to the table that I want, if that makes sense. Um, I don't love the Connecticut side of things. Uh, Really, that that flavor doesn't bring much that I uh, enjoy regularly. Um, It, uh, you know, kind of experienced a lull in the, the middle of the stick. I've got two and a half inches left. I'm halfway through it. It is in a lull of flavor. It's not. It's not bringing anything to the table that I um, am pleased to enjoy. You know, if that makes sense. Um, it did at one point. It's just gone. Uh, I I wouldn't reach for it again. I'm sure that some people who do appreciate some of the um, crispness or the acidity that comes with Connecticut might like this one as a definitely a variation on kind of that typical. Connecticut um, uh, component, but it's, you know, um, you guys can have it. Mike Stewart's Mimic is a better cigar. It brings more savory aspects to the table, um, and without question, it is uh, <laughs> easier to light. <laughs> um, but uh, that's, that's more of a, you know, I'm picking a fight with that statement more than anything else. So that's where I'm at on it. If I didn't smoke it again, I'd be happy, but uh, I'm not pissed off at somebody for recommending it. How's that?
1: Good, because I'm the one that recommended it.
0: Yeah, I know. I didn't (laughs) want to throw you under the bus. (laughs) Meet me. (laughs) All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close her down. What do you say, big boy?
1: Let's do it. Uh we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you're here with us tonight or uh, somewhere in the vast expanses of the interwebs uh, in the future. We, uh, we're always glad to have you uh, next week or next time around. Episode 163, we'll be smoking the Coiba Maduro Magicos uh, by Craig, not by Craig, from Craig, I should say. <laughs> My masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can catch us by email at craig at half or kip at half And you can also, of course, always find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the forum where we tend to hang out at least a time or two a day and check in, see what's going on, make fun of each other, say stupid things, uh, all kinds of craziness. But uh,
0: And by make fun of each other, he definitely means make fun of me.
1: Not issue. Me too. You just give us more ammo.
0: <laughs> I do that. That is true. No doubt about it. Well, as uh, as Kip said, we really do encourage everybody to uh, to find us. You know, we don't. We look. We do this show because we have fun doing it, and we have fun doing it because people enjoy it, and people enjoy listening to us, um, and we like sharing that. So. Find us, let's interact, let's uh, extend this electronic hearf onto uh, weekdays on, on uh, message boards. It's a good time, we've got a good, healthy, kind community that is cigar-centered with uh, friendship and camaraderie a very, very, very close second. So check us out, become part of it. And uh, for everybody who does that, we want to say thank you, and most certainly everybody who is listening to us and has listened this evening we say this as always good night everybody and thank you for listening